Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday to you and yours. First thing we got to do, I got to get you to, I don't know what to think about this jacket. This is a jacket Adidas sent me, or actually I paid for it. I don't want anybody to think I'm on Adidas's payroll. But they said, I don't know what I think of this jacket. One, I, I got mixed feelings. It looked better online than I think it does on me. I need you guys to hop in. I felt really good about yesterday's jacket. Uh, people loved it. People said I looked good in it. People thought you know, I may have looked as young as 35, 34 years old. Not sure about this jacket. It's kind of camo. I don't think I got the right shirt on underneath it. But if you guys could hop in the comments in the chat, let me know what you think of this this jacket. Uh, Christian Kenny, uh, uh, Christian's giving me the, oh, Kenny gave me the thumbs up. Christian gave me, no, he doesn't, doesn't like it. Uh, mm. Anyway, we're going with it today. Hope it's not a distraction. Hope it doesn't distract you from, you know, <laughs> I look pretty good. I mean, we're going to jack it or not. Anyway, we have a fantastic show planned for you today. Shamika Michelle is going to be here. Delano Squire is going to be here. Pastor Anthony is going to be here. And joining us via Skype, Pastor Bobby Harrington back with us for a little conversation about uh, a new podcast they're starting. Before I get into uh, my topic of the day, or we got several topics of the day, before I get into my first topic, my fire starter, I want to talk to you guys about uh, my friends at Nugenics. Getting older is a big adjustment. Trust me, I'm going through it. It changes your day-to-day -day energy and worse, your body. It gets hard to stay healthy. It gets much easier to get a gluttonous Whitlock body. You look at food and you gain a few pounds. I mean, just looking at it, I put on weight. As soon as your food touches your lips, you gain even more. That energy from your younger days fades away. Well, <laughs> Jason Slimlock is here to tell you it's okay. As us men age, our body naturally loses free testosterone. I call it the alpha hormone. It happens to every man, so don't worry. However, what if I told you that you can counter the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. While every product professes quality, Many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total Tea, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials. And Nugenics formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research, and it can help you re-energize your life and help you get back to the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you used to be like me. Nugenics Total Tea can help re-energize your life and help you get back to being just like me. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text FEARLESS to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text FEARLESS to 231231. That's FEARLESS to 231231. Texting enrolls you into reoccurring automated text messages, consent not required to purchase, Message and data rates may apply. Kenny, was that a thumbs up for my saying of testosterone? 
Did you give me, you gave me thumbs up? I appreciate that. Uh, I'm having a great day. Despite this jacket, I'm on my A game today. You know, the more I look at myself in this jacket, I think the better I feel. I'm, I'm actually starting to think I look pretty good. But anyway, let me, let me get to it. Uh, what I want to talk to you today about where we're going to start the show. We're going to talk about some other things as well. But uh, Don Lemon, he's being run out at uh, CNN. He's being run out of the business just in general. I'm not sure if he is fully aware, although he, he probably is at this point, knows that he's under a gun, but you guys saw the controversy he was in last week and then he took a few days off from work and now he's scheduled to be back on CNN on Wednesday. I got some news to break to Don Lemon. It's just a matter of time. From the moment they moved you away from your Don Lemon Tonight Show and put you on that morning desk, it's just a matter of time. I had a, a high profile uh, agent lawyer tell me at that time, he told me before Don Lemon got demoted that CNN was done with Don Lemon. Just wait, it's just a matter of time. So the demotion happened or moved to the morning show and the guy reaffirmed to me again, no, no, it's, they're firing Don Lemon. These are the steps you have to go through to fire someone in the alphabet mafia. It's just a matter of time. Don Lemon is getting canned at CNN. This is all a process, again, that you have to go through because Don Lemon wears those LGBTQ uh, alpha ma mafia alphabet letters. So, I've always kind of believed this agent lawyer that was telling me this, and then this last controversy with Don Lemon, I was like, Oh, yeah, he is getting fired. I, I've seen a major network do this to somebody. I've seen them gin up controversy out of nothing and make everyone believe that it's a major controversy. Saw it happen to me at ESPN when they were done with me. And there's just, they're walking Don Lemon through this suicide mission. But I want to start first by just Playing the video, you guys know it about Nikki Haley. Don Lemon said she's past her prime and that women are out of their primes in their 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever he said. Let's play the Nikki Haley comment that sparked Don Lemon's comment, just for some context and some background. Play Nikki Haley. In the America I see, the permanent politician will finally retire. <laughs> term limits for Congress. And mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. So she makes a comment about politicians over 75 years old. She doesn't say anything about politicians past their prime. She says politicians over 75 years old. Don Lemon, who's not the smartest guy in the world, Don Lemon, who only has his job at CNN, is on TV because of those alphabet mafia letters. That's his only qualification. He has the other one that, you know, that CNN favors. He's black, but he's mainly there because he checks that alphabet, alphabet mafia check 
box, covers them there. That's the ultimate, uh, in this new America that we've built, that's the ultimate minority. It, it's, if, if, you, if you take it up the rear end, you're one of the greatest human beings on the planet and we must platform you. You're the leader of the world. There's nothing more virtuous than taking it up the rear end. So here's Don Lemon on his morning show uh, with uh, the two ladies that he competes with on that show. Here's, here he is. Here's the alleged controversial comments that got him in trouble. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you talk? Wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime so for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. It. Oh, I got it. I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to need qualify. To are you talking about prime for like child preparing or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. <laughs> when is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime according to Google know, Google or whatever it is. So Don Lemon is stupid. Everybody knows that. That's, that's not breaking news. As I said earlier, he has his job because he takes it up the rear end. That's his qualifications, bending over. I'm not saying that to be malicious. I'm not saying that to denigrate uh, that group of people. I'm just saying it because it's a fact. If he didn't bend over and take it up the rear, he wouldn't be on national TV. Somehow, this society has skyrocketed off the road so far that a qualification for a job is bending over and taking it up the rear end. And somehow we've reached the conclusion that if you do that, you're a special kind of person with a special level of virtue and a special insight into American society. None of it's true. And that's how you get idiots in these jobs, because the qualifications that we're looking for have nothing to do with competency. And so Don Lemon, the woman Nikki Haley didn't even say prime, said people over 75. Don Lemon, being the idiot that he is, he wanted to make a, a statement. As I told y'all when this controversy first started, he's in competition with women. And so he wanted to make a point to men, particularly white men, that no, if you want something in their prime, men actually last longer than women. I'm Don Lemon, I'm 56, 57 years old. I'm still in my prime for bending over and taking it up the rear. That's what he's trying to communicate. He can have that opinion. He can say that. He can say without it being controversial, hey, I don't think women in their, are in their prime after age 40. And, and he can have that opinion. That's not an offensive opinion. That's not a harmful opinion. It's a dumb opinion. It's not an accurate opinion, but he can have that opinion without harming anyone. And so I've watched people melt down 
including people I like. Everybody knows I love Megyn Kelly. I don't care how old Megyn Kelly is, she'll always be in her prime. Love her, but she melted down on Don Lemon as if he had threatened to, to World War III and he had the nuclear codes and was gonna launch missiles at Russia. The guy just said something stupid on TV. That's what most people on TV do, say stupid, dishonest things. But we've melted down like, oh my God, this is the greatest offense in the world and Don Lemon's gotta be taken off air. And we all need to be careful of the standard that's being set here. Saying something stupid on television, particularly something stupid that's not harmful, shouldn't cost you your job. And so this precedent that's being set will be turned around and used against conservatives and Christians and heterosexual people and people you may like, you may agree with their point of view. This is a stupid standard. Everyone pretending like Don Lemon nearly ended television because he thinks women aren't in their prime after age 40 you're playing into a game, a dangerous game, that we shouldn't be playing. Because at any time, the way they have things rigged up over social media and with these algorithms, they can make any harmless statement into a fireable offense. And I say that, it is not because I got fired at ESPN over these comments, I'm just showing you an example of what a network will do when they're trying to ease someone out the door. Because at the end of the day, Don Lemon hasn't done anything wrong or fireable. They just want to ease him out the door because there's no ratings there. Whoever he was probably banging at CNN probably isn't there anymore. And so they want to ease Don Lemon out the door under the pretense that, oh man, the Don Lemon says all these stupid things and so, and so harmful and so controversial. So I want to show you what happened to me, I believe in 2015, uh, after ESPN had uh, taken the undefeated project away from me and they were easing me out the door. And so part of my responsibilities were at that time to appear on, uh, to be the top fill in for pardon the interruption for Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon. I was the very first uh, fill-in host that the show ever had at launch and for many many years I was the top fill-in on pardon the interruption for Tony and Mike I was the go-to guy but as they tried to ease me out of ESPN in that second go-around I'm hosting the show with Dan Lebetard and I crack a joke on myself this is a joke on myself. I'm the butt of the joke. I'm cracking a joke about how I'm so inept as a boyfriend that I have to uh, isolate women and convince them uh, not to listen to their friends so that they won't realize they're making a mistake by dating me. It's a joke on me. Let's play the clip. It's a mental game. It's, I've started every relationship this way, Dan. You isolate the woman. You get her away from her family and friends. You don't want them talking any sense into her. You don't want her knowing she's making a mistake. 
Jason, you're still single. Over, you're still single. <laughs> by the time it's over and she's in love, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher talking to her. Walk, 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 walk. That's what I, Cuban should have done. Wow, relationship <laughs> advice. All right, let's move to a map that has been even more vocal. It was a joke. You could hear the camera people laughing in the background. Twitter melted down like I had written a blueprint on how to human traffic women. Anybody, the camera people, you could hear them laughing in the background. Dan Lebatard initially went along with the joke. You're still single, ah ha. He's like, and then he pivoted to not selling the joke. And it was in that moment and me watching what happened in the aftermath as everybody on social media acted like I had just gone on television and talked poorly about Mother Teresa or Nelson Mandela or Jesus Christ. I cracked a joke on myself. Twitter rigged up a response, ESPN rigged up a response, Deadspin rigged up a response, and people started writing about, oh, how Whitlock said these creepy things, and oh, this, and, and Awful Announcing wrote a piece talking about, uh, you know, Whitlock's just not worth the trouble, these type comments are problematic. Me cracking a joke on myself. And I, it was in this moment, I, again, I was already, Let's say a month earlier, they had uh, taken the undefeated away. And then I watched this, and I can remember being at home, I was like, wow. Not only, they want to destroy me. They, they are so upset with me that they want to destroy me. And that's why the advice I would give to Don Lemon, walk away now because they will destroy you because they want to get rid of you and but they will destroy you they'll make you so toxic that you'll be out of your prime and you won't be able to seduce white men by bending over you should walk away now don lemon you're being set up this goes on in this social media rigged environment we have, it's been going on now for a decade. Controversies that make no sense, that's bought and paid for, and people acting like uh, things that are so beyond the pale, they've created a new reality with this social media matrix they've built. Don Lemon, walk away. I don't know if you can return to normal humanity and normal thought, you used to do that, and then you figured out, like, <laughs> I'm better off in this alphabet mafia lane. People yesterday were, again, this is how I know it's, this is a rig job against Don Lemon, because now social media is filled with the old clip of Don Lemon talking like he had some common sense years ago when he first started out on CNN. Let's play that clip. Because black people, if you really want to fix the problem, here's just five things that you should think about doing. Here's number five. And if, if, if this doesn't apply to you, if you're not doing this, then it doesn't apply to you. I'm not talking about you. Here's number five. Pull up your pants.
walking around with your ass and your underwear showing is not okay. In fact, it comes from prison when they take away belts from the prisoner so that they can't make a weapon. And then it evolved into which role a prisoner would have during male-on-male prison sex. The one with the really low pants is a submissive one. You get my point? Number four now is the N-word. By promoting the use of that word when it's not germane to the conversation, have you ever considered that you may just be perpetuating the stereotype the master intended, acting like a Now number three, respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. I've lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods in my life. I rarely, if ever, witness people littering. I live in Harlem now. It's an historically black neighborhood. Every single day I see adults and children dropping their trash on the ground when a garbage can is just feet away. Just being honest here. Number two, finish school. You want to break the cycle of poverty? Stop telling kids they're acting white because they go to school or they speak proper English. A high school dropout makes on average $19,000 a year. A high, a high school graduate makes $28,000 a year. A college graduate makes $51,000 a year. Over the course of a career, a college grad will make nearly a million dollars more than a high school graduate. That's a lot of money. And number one, and probably the most important, just because you can have a baby, it doesn't mean you should, especially without planning for one or getting married first. More than 72% of children in the African-American community are born out of wedlock. That means absent fathers. And the studies show that lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison. And the cycle continues. That was Don Lemon, I believe, seven, eight years ago. And, and, and that was Don Lemon making sense and saying what he really believed at that time. What I'm saying here overall is going to be misconstrued by some and people are going to think, oh, Whitlock's homophobic and blah. I'm not. I'm just telling you the facts of what has gone on in American society and how this culture has been moved and is controlled by the alphabet people. It's been moved and it's controlled by the alphabet people. Don Lemon, I can almost virtually guarantee you when he did that little screed, and this is before social media had complete control over corporate media, before Twitter had complete control, someone brought Don Lemon into a room, an office, and said, hey, bro, you know how you got this job, bent over and on your knees. And we will bend you back over and put you back on your knees if you don't start preaching what we want preached. We don't tell black people the truth. We lie to them. You don't ever go on TV again and tell black people the truth, particularly black men. You don't give them good advice. That's not what we do at CNN. That's not what we do in corporate media. You have this job because you bend over and drop to your knees on command. And if you want to keep this job, you will Get back on board with the message that we have approved for black men.
And Don Lemon did just that. And Don Lemon started transitioning into a more overt, out of the closet, alphabet mafia soldier. Now they're done with him. They can't use him anymore. And eventually it's going to happen to all of them, not just the alphabet mafia people, but the allies of the alphabet mafia people. There will come a day when a Shannon Sharp, some of these other clowns, they won't be useful to the alphabet mafia and they will get discarded and all their social media support and all the followers they have over YouTube and Twitter and Instagram will all be taken away from them because they won't be useful anymore. And that's why you're better off standing on the values you really believe in rather than promoting the wickedness and stupidity and the minstrel show that they demand that you do. The alphabet group, they don't like heterosexual men and they control black men in mainstream media. Find any of them. I'm talking about even the heterosexual ones. They, that have the balls, the manhood, to stand up and call out the alphabet people who are in control of the media. They all said, Shannon Sharp, I've seen talk about the LGBTQ skill. This ain't what these guys really believe. They're just saying it because they think if they say it, They'll never get called into a room like Don Lemon was and told to bend over and drop to their knees. They will be pink slipped at some point when they don't, when they refuse, when they get tired of using them. That's my take on Don Lemon. They're done with you. And they'll be done with some of these other guys that are on their knees and don't even know it. All right, uh, stay tuned. Uh, we got more show coming up. Shamika Michelle is going to join me, and uh, we're going to talk some Make It Make Sense next. We want Atheists, the secular world, the culture uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men. We know you're imperfect. You know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy. mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture, and we, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? 
and you're gonna turn around and let him chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let him sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl and you're gonna let him make the Bible hate speech, you're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms and there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder and every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough in prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back. Time for some Make It Make Sense with Shamika. Shamika, I got a couple things on my mind. Sierra, back at it again. Uh, embarrassing Russell Wilson over social media. I need you to make it make sense. Does she, is Sierra, does she want out of this marriage? Is she looking to get back to some thug passion, perhaps? She wants to dig up Tupac out of jail. <laughs> Didn't Tupac have a song, Thug Passion? I, I can't remember. I used to listen to a lot of Tupac. Let's watch Sierra here uh, embarrass Russell Wilson, and I need you to make it make sense. Booking my own trips Don't ever let them disrespect you and 
How do you do that wearing Ronald McDonald clown shoes? I, I don't know, but uh, she's married. She left, you know, the thug life alone, allegedly, but maybe she's still longing for it. Is that why she's still making music like this? You know, that's what so many people on social media are trying to figure out because she goes on to say, this is for the girls that don't need no man. And um, she has a man. Not only does she has a man, she's dancing around what looks like in his home. She's using his resources to put out there that, you know, she can do it by herself, yet she's doing it with someone. And it's just crazy to me that Sierra would continue to push this lifestyle when I think it was Summer Walker, maybe, that came out with an album and she has a song on there called Sierra's Prayer where Sierra was giving women the prayer that she prayed for this good man. So I don't understand why she now kind of walks, you know, she's walking that back to, I don't need a man or I'm too fly to be by his side and I, I get your money. Like she's giving all the wrong messages. But I will say, uh, Jason, to Sierra's defense, We've had men do this for a very long time. When we look at uh, Ice Cube, he got a beat from Kim 30 years ago, stayed with her, but continued to put music out that suggested that he was this single non-family guy. Snoop Dogg did the same thing. So we've had men who have, you know, families at home, women at home who push this lifestyle on other people that they should just be single, not commit to women and live how they want to live. So she's kind of doing the exact same thing. But I think people expected more of her because her relationship or her husband is such a public figure as well. They're tired of seeing Russell be embarrassed. I, I hate to, this will be very unchristian of me to make this comment, but I do think it's the kind of real conversation that's going on. Is, 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 is Russ just not putting it on her in a way that will subdue this nature within her? Is this a cry for, for help? That I'm just, that's the only thing I can th You got all the money, you got fame, you got, you, you've supported her in every way possible, but there's, you know, she keeps acting like, you know, she's just dissatisfied. Yeah. And, you know, I hated to hear people call Russell a simp. But, you know, I was I I've been told that a woman should make other men envious of her man. And I'm not seeing that. I don't see anybody jumping at the chance to actually wife Sierra or wife a woman who is constantly going to be running out there putting out a message as if she isn't totally satisfied or happy. So I, I have seen videos where Russell has said, you know, he wanted an independent woman. He wanted a woman that didn't need him. And that's exactly what it seems he, he got. He got a woman. She don't even seem like she want him, much less need him. So it's, it's embarrassing 
from all of us, you know, on the outside looking in. But Russell is starting to really look like the simp that people have called him for the last few years. And finally, what's up with these Ronald McDonald? This is these boots that she's not the only one wearing them. What what's up with this? This is the new fashion statement, I guess, like sagging your pants off your rear end or whatever. What's going on here? Yeah, it shows that black people love to waste money and we have this follow the leader mentality because these are the ugliest Dora the Explorer boots that I have ever seen. And they run about $200, but people are wearing them now and that's the new fashion statement. I think they're horrible. You know, uh, if you go and commit a crime, be expected for them to, to find you because can't nobody overlook those ugly things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh God, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm gonna show some discipline and not make the comment that I wanted to make. <clears throat> Let me just move on. There's another controversy, a byproduct of our obsession with TikTok and China's ability to make fools out of America and Americans. China and TikTok are responsible for the dance craze that has just overtaken America. Everybody's a dancer now. I'm old man shouting on the lawns, but there used to be a time where some men just like, no, nah, man, I don't dance. I don't do that. I'm gonna play this wall, come holler at me over here, I'm gonna bring you over here. But yeah, we ain't, I ain't doing all that sweating, I ain't doing you know the nightclub, get them other dudes to do that, that ain't me. There used to be a time, you now it's the total other way. Men are dancing everywhere. Everybody, white, black, whomever, football field, you make any play at all, everybody's got a dance move. It, it, everything's dancing with the stars. Well, <clears throat> someone, it seems, has taken the dance thing a little too far for some people. Big Groove, they're calling him. Black dude that puts out these TikTok videos of him dancing in restaurants. And now there's a petition being started to, to stop Big Groove and Yuddy Gang, I think, uh, from, from dancing at restaurants and putting out these TikTok videos. Let's take a look at uh, some of Big Groove's work uh, and tell me what you think. That's not Big Groove, I think that's Yuddy. There's Big Groove. Is that the only video we have of them? I saw some other ones where he was dancing. Oh, we got other ones? Let's play another one. Oh, wow. Is is he eating watermelon? Or is that pizza? Yeah. This may be the one I saw earlier. Yeah, Yeah, I saw this one earlier today. Yeah, this is a big group. I, I don't know... Some of it strikes me as alphabetish, but I'm not a thousand percent sure. Uh, he see, some of the videos I saw, he, he seemed to love to dance for uh, white women. It looked like there was something I thought was 
Maybe he was dancing for a sorority someplace, but uh, I blame all of this on TikTok. I think it's mostly harmless, though. I don't understand the ban. Everybody, again, everybody's dancing now. I don't get it. Uh, your thoughts on Big Groove and the TikTok dance crave? Well, Jason, there make was it a make sense. There was a dancing gorilla in uh, Dallas Zoo back in like night uh, 2017, I think it was. So it shows that we love this type of entertainment, especially, you know, people saying that he's dancing for white people. White people don't see anything wrong with it. For me, I guess it is pretty harmless. He's not hurting anybody. He's not out robbing or killing. I don't think I would go as far as to, to put a band on him. But when you say men, you know, don't normally move like this, I agree. I have a friend now who tells me that he dropped out of the band because of the way that we used to dance. And he just felt like a man's body wasn't supposed to do certain things. So I do think now that the men we have today is a little different. And a lot of people are angry with him because they say he's Nigerian and he has come over here to kind of play into American stereotypes. And that's one of the reasons that they don't appreciate the, the, the influence that he's having or the popularity that he's getting because they feel like here's this African man coming over here playing into stereotypes that black Americans have had to deal with for so many years. So, so many people are upset by that because they feel like he's getting fame off of things, you know, they calling him the minstrel show or whatever, things that black people had a hard time with years ago. I, he should just make rap music. If he rapped while doing all this, no one would complain. It would be like, this is great. Pick up a gun, pick up a crack pipe and dance and right. rap and you're, you're all good to go. I, I don't know. I, I get, this isn't, so Big Groove is not ADOS approved. What, American yes. Descendants of Slaves or what's FBA? That's another one. A foundational black, well, what is FBA? Do you know? Foundational Black Americans. So yes, he's not ADOS or uh, FBA. And so, is, yeah. Are they different than ADOS? Is FBA yeah. different from ADOS? They're pretty much the same thing, but from my understanding, it was um, they split. The group kind of split, um, and so now you have ADOS, which may be run by a, a woman, and then you have FBA, which I think may be Tariq Nasheed. Um, or more ran by the men. So I think that's kind of where we are. So you will see people in their bios say, some say hashtag ADOS and FBA, or some have just chosen a side. Mm. I'm, I'm still looking into my passport bro membership. I, I'm, I'm gonna leave the alphabet thing alone. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Shamika. Thank you for helping me make a sense. All right, you can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Delano Squires, thanks.
Let's roll out to Washington, D.C., bring in our main man, uh, Delano Squires. Delano has written a terrific column uh, that, that kind of plays off these feminine magazine covers that they keep putting black men in and just the whole emasculation of black men. And then Delano asking the question like, man, if we protected the image of black men the way we protect the image of black fraternities and sororities, wow, we'd be in a much better place. But I, I want Delano to unpack uh, his very thoughtful and thought-provoking column himself. Delano, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, at, oh man, you're looking sharp today. Uh, <laughs> you're suited and booted. Delano, uh, what'd you write about today? I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Jason. Um, I said, if black men were treated like sorority sisters, then there wouldn't be so much emasculation going on in the pop culture. And, and when I say that, it's, it's meant to make readers read further. I talked about the VH1 show Sorority Sisters, which depicted um, nine black women, well, eight black women and one white woman who were members of um, four black Greek organizations. So uh, Delta Sigma Theta, Alpha Kappa Alpha, Sigma Gamma Rho, Zeta Phi Beta. And the show was basically, you know, loving hip hop cattiness meets, you know, black Greek letter organizations. And the show was canceled within one month of its premiere. And the reason why is because black elites and particularly um, members of black fraternities and sororities raised their voices, got advertisers to pull sponsorship, um, started a hashtag boycott sorority sisters, and basically flexed their muscle to say that these organizations mean something to us. Um, we have a sense of, of pride in them. Um, they have a rich cultural legacy and we are not going to allow VH1, Mona Scott Young, or even the members of our organizations to tarnish that in the public sphere. And the NBA pulled um, advertising, Carmex, Sports Authority, um, Ava DuVernay, the director who was at that time promoting the movie Selma, got them, got, got advertisements for that movie to be pulled. And in the course of four weeks, this, this show which got 1.3 million viewers in its premiere episode, was pulled off of VH1 and utterly destroyed. And not ju just that, Jason. Some of these, a, a number of those women were booted from their sororities. One of them, the, the one white woman, went on Steve Harvey's show. Steve Harvey himself was a member of Omega Sci-Fi. Begged for forgiveness from one of her sorors, her sorority sisters, and. The, 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 the black elite, the gatekeepers of black culture, some of the same people who've been running interference for hip hop culture and the most destructive aspects of it for 30 years showed that with concerted effort, they can move mountains in the course of four weeks. So what I'm saying is you wouldn't have an ASAP Rocky cover if, if the black elites in media, in, journal, in, in journalism, um, in academia, in business, in politics, treated the overall black community the way they do their fraternities and sororities and, and to a larger extent their, their HBCUs. It, it's a fascinating 
point in observation because I do, it makes you sit there and think that Roland Martin and these other leftist elites, gatekeepers, Negro Wranglers, as some people call them, they can mobilize their forces Mm -hmm. to, oh my God, there's a TV show that makes our Greek organization look bad. But if a rapper puts out, what's it, Bobby Shmurda, or mm-hmm. any, of the, any of these rappers put out anything that make black men look criminal, no one says anything. You could hear a, mo- a mouse pee on cotton. It's so silent. When, when rappers make us look like clowns and minstrels, but a TV show that, and I wonder if this would have been the same in your opinion, had it been black fraternity members rather mm-hmm. than sorority members, if, if there isn't some, oh, would we have mobilized those forces if it had been black males in some kind of TV show that degraded these Greek organizations? Or is it because it's the woman thing that everyone mobilized so quickly and so forcefully? Uh, that's a great question. I, I hadn't considered it until this point. I, I think it depends on what the black men were doing. If they were engaging, if they were basically mimicking the the, the excesses of hip hop culture, right? If they were going to strip clubs with their paraphernalia on, if they were getting into fights with their paraphernalia on, I think you would have had a similar um, reaction. But yeah, to your point, when Roland Martin went on Morning Joe and he said, you know, these organizations, this show is denigrating black women. I thought to myself, well, that's what hip hop culture has been doing for the last 20 plus years. And and these people, um, at times they're silent, but to the extent that they speak, it is always in defense of hip hop culture, the excesses of hip hop culture. Michael Eric Dyson, the Russell Simmons, um, and even the people who don't issue sort of dissertation-length defenses, they, they will invite these people onto their platforms, right? There's, there's not a single place in black America that Snoop Dogg cannot go. He can go to any black church. He can go to any HBCU. Even after he has called black women out of their name, even after he called Gail King a funky doghead B because she asked Lisa Leslie a question about the rape charges, uh, allegations against Kobe Bryant after his untimely death. There's not a single place that he cannot go within uh, black American culture. And what I say in the piece is that if, if the black community got the sorority sisters treatment, Snoop Dogg would have either had to go back to gang banging in Long Beach or he would have had to have picked up a trade or do something else because we would not have allowed him to peddle his wares in the, in the larger culture. Um, but because uh, the, the black elites, they, they, they're, trying to, they're trying to thread a needle, Jason, they don't, have to, they don't have the space like their white peers to dismiss one third of black culture and say, oh, that's black trash. Those are ghetto folk. We don't deal with them. We're not like them. They can't do that. They, they would be accused of engaging in respectability politics. So what they try to do they try to give the impression that, oh, we're just like the, the guys gangbanging, you know, in Compton or, or, or the, the women on stripper poles at Magic City. We're no different than they are. And they will have that facade until those self-destructive elements 
encroach on their property. And, and there is no property that they uh, uphold and protect more fiercely than their Greek letter organizations. And that's why when, when the loving hip hop crowd brought that crap onto the Divine Nine, the, the, that, those nine organizations that make up sort of the black Greeks, that's when they activated their defenses. And all of them, I mean, Ava DuVernay, Roland Martin, I mean, the, the people who will excuse all types of sexual perversion, all types of, of uh, black male effeminacy, uh, gangster culture, stripper culture, gangster rap, whore hop. These people said, nope, you can do all that stuff in your little neighborhoods in these cities, but you are not bringing that type of debauchery to our organizations. And they put them out of the camp and they utterly destroyed sorority sisters to the point where neither Mona Scott nor any of these other people, Mona Scott is a, is a producer, VH1, produces Love and Hip Hop. I think she was a consultant on this show. None of those people would dare think to make another show that, that portrayed those organizations in the same light. You know, Delano, as I'm sitting here thinking about the conversations you and I had this morning and this conversation, I'm putting those conversations together and thinking, some of this points to the worthlessness and how little value we actually see in skin color. And I'm talking mm. about black and white people because you and I had the conversation this morning. It's like, you know, white people have no problem with distancing themselves from people they classify as white trash. And, mm -hmm. and part of that is, is like, man, I don't really take a lot of value in my skin color other than back during a time when my skin color gave me great privilege in America. Maybe white mm. people took a lot of value. And now that, uh, you know, there seems to be either corporate America rewards darker skin colors, there's some value, but, but, but not really. There's no real value here, and what there is value in, what people actually do respect, are things that they earned. You have mm. to earn membership in Omega Psi Phi, Delta Sigma Theta, Phi Beta Sigma, Kappa Alpha Psi. You have to earn that, and so then you start seeing the value and want to be very protective of things you earned. Skin color is a lottery. It's a gift mm. from God. It's, it's not something you earn. And so we're not as protective. And, and maybe that's why, you know, you can denigrate black people all you want. But this thing I earned, these Greek letters that I earned, that I had to go through hazing and pledging and had there's some sort of rite of passage that goes along with it, I'm going to defend that to my death. And it's almost the same mentality as getting jumped into a gang and you have to earn mm -hmm. gang membership and you're willing to lay down and die for your gang, your block. But, but as it relates to skin color, uh, I'll, I'll whip that out and use that if it can help me get a promotion. Other than that, mm. I could care less. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, a good, that's a great point. I, I think... Um, I definitely don't think black folk are at the point of sort of dismissing the importance of skin color in the way that some white white liberals do. In fact, the, the roles have been reversed, right? There was a time where, where 
white people in America had a certain sense of pride. They actually did feel like being white was a privilege. Now, if you ask the average liberal, they, they would say that they're not white liberal. They're not proud of being white. And the opposite is true, where uh, darker skin used to be seen as a sense of, uh, sometimes brought with it a sense of shame. Now black folk are much more likely to say that they do take pride in their skin color. Um, but, but I think part of this is strategic because the black community, the, the leaders of the black community, sort of the talented 10, right? They understand that if you cut out one third of, a, of, a, of an already small minority, that you will have no political power or social or cultural influence. So in some respects, they, they need the, the, the Cardi B's and the Snoop Dogg's. I'm not talking just about those artists. I'm talking about the masses of people who engage in those types of behaviors. They need that to fuel their own interests. But they're, and they're willing to put up with those people to the extent that they keep that business on that side of town. Because the moment they bring, um, let me say it this way, Jason, I guarantee that all the, the, the Sonny Hostins and the Michelle Obamas and the Valerie Jarrett's and, and the Jamel Hills and the Joy Reeds and the Tiffany Crosses and all the women who like to summer in the Hamptons and Martha's Vineyard, yeah, they'll listen to Cardi B on their way up there. But, but if they brought some, some, some black women on a bus from Magic City, and they and they brought it up to the ice cream shop that the Obamas go to, or or the the seafood restaurants on the vineyard, and those women got up there and started a rump shaking and twerking, or they have a very different reaction, at least privately, because again they don't the the the, the black elite are so handcuffed by their conflicting ideologies, they talk liberal but they live conservative, but they understand that if they talk conservative that they will be denigrated and castigated as upholding white supremacy. So they murmur conservative, they complain conservative on their text messages and their WhatsApp groups, right? They, they, don't, they don't want Cardi B's marrying their sons. They don't want their, their daughters to be, to be uh, five-time baby mamas. But they, they will never say those things publicly because they understand that doing so will get them labeled as uh, uh, perpetuating quote-unquote respectability politics. And, and part of what I'm saying is a community that uses the word respectability as a pejorative is in some deep, deep, deep trouble. I wasn't thinking I would ask you this, so you're not prepared for this question, and it, it may even be a stupid question. But it, it had mm -hmm. just in our conversation this morning, reading your column, this conversation. Are, are, are the black fraternities and sororities a net positive for black people? Um, if I was answering that question historically, I, I would say yes. I, I would say yes. Um, uh, I, I don't discount the, the amount of, you know, whether it's the community service or, or some of the other acts, I mean, here in D.C., you know, Delta Sigma Theta, they, they own like an entire like a seniors home, you know, that, that they that they make affordable to, to residents in the city. So, I, I mean, I, th there is a rich legacy of, of service to the community, both sort of hands on the ground, boots on the ground type of work, as well as um, the 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 comprising part of the leadership structure of black America 
for the better part of the 20th century. And I, I try not to be cynical when looking back into time. I know people will say, well, NAACP was compromised from the beginning. It's, and, and there are always critiques that you can have, and many of them are, are certainly can be substantiated. But at the end of the day, when when some of us look back on where so how far black America traveled from emancipation through the civil rights movement up until where we are now. And we, and we look at that period of time in which black folk were building businesses and families and, and churches and communities and schools. A number of the people who were leading those institutions were black Greeks. Um, to, to you know, leading you know, civil rights movements and, and the fight for sort of black dignity and for the, the black public image, a number of those people who were doing that work were members of, of black fraternities and, and sororities. So I'd say net-net historically, um, I'd say it's been a positive. And honestly, Jason, these are probably some of the most conservative institutions outside of black churches that you will find because their presidents and, and leadership structure are not millennials. Now, the people that you see at the parties, you know, in the queues, and they, they dancing, and they throwing up the hooks, and they got their shirts off, and their tongues out, that's one thing. But you don't, the, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha was started on Cornell University in 1906. You cannot survive as an institution in this country from that time until now if you are not conservative, small c conservative, which means you you are planting those things which you believe will yield good fruit and you are pruning those things that will not. And, and that is why these organizations are so protective of their image. And that's part of the reason that they that they responded the way they did to sorority sisters. So in terms of some of the membership, Colin Kaepernick is a Kappa, right? He does some things obviously that I don't agree with. He, he's he's a he's a person who is self-destructive in nature. Um, even Mark Lamont Hill, another Kappa, who was one of the few Black Greeks who was critical of the boycott sorority sisters movement because he saw he's like, oh, y'all want to boycott stuff when it offends the Black bourgeoisie sensibilities. Now Mark Lamont Hill is also the person that sees no problem with the ASAP Rocky covers or the Jonathan Majors covers because to him, any notion of sort of boundaries on masculinity are, you know, that's problematic, you know, from the beginning. So there are people within these organizations that I do think have played the mischief for a long time, but the organizations themselves um, have not lasted this long because they are set on self-destruction. No, I, I think net-net, they, they've, they have been a force for, for good within the black community. And, and so I gotta add this bit of clarity just in case, you know, any of my closest friends, guys I play <laughs> football with at Ball State, they're all, you know, they're my closest friends. They're all pretty much in either Cap Alpha Psi or Mega Sci-Fi. And so, you know, it, it, but I, I'm just, my mind was always different. And, mm. and part of it, just keeping it real, when I was in college, you know, my grades weren't the best. And so, you know, I don't even know if I had the GPA to pledge uh, back when I was in college. Obviously, I could have got my grades up and pledged, but all my friends basically pledged at the same time. 
And and I can just remember as a kid just going, man, I ain't letting nobody paddle me. Beat I'm not right, right, right. signing up. I, I don't. I'm not signing up to no group where I got to do everything that everybody else is doing. And now I was very supportive. You know, when these guys had their step shows while they were online. I was the first in line, and I would hype them up. I'd be there drunk and hyping every, hyping the crowd up. <laughs> My boys been the club, and blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Did it all, you know, all of that. But it just, groupthink has never been my thing, and that's where I, I look at the fraternities and all that, and we, we all got to think the same thing. And, and I just have never wanted to uh, crowdsource my opinions with other mm. people. And so it, it just, I see the fraternity thing, particularly among the elites, as as a way of mass controlling group thinking. So I'm, I wish I had to, I just, someone just sent me a video of Ricky Smiley getting interviewed by Shannon Sharp. Mm. And Ricky Smiley was talking about, he's a morning radio show host, and he was talking about being on a group text thread with uh, D.L. Hughley, Steve Harvey. Harvey. Oh, you saw this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking it. about? You saw this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And he started talking about, and, and Raphael Warnock's on the thread, and he starts talking about how they get their agenda together. Right. We all got to be promoting the same agenda. And I just, I was like, this is the problem. And, and people don't even understand that, that the Negro Wranglers are gathered up on group text and strategizing how do we heard this group of black people all to think the same thing and be on board with what Raphael Warnock thinks we should think. That's my problem with all fraternities, uh, but, but it almost seems like our fraternities, uh, you know, we, because I don't even know, Sigma Alpha Epsilon, maybe that's a white fraternity I remember. Yeah. Uh, but. I just don't know if they're all expected to think all the same things or you're disrespecting the frat. I don't know if they everybody got to vote for Trump or everybody's got to vote for Biden or they're all free yeah. to do whatever they want. Whereas our fraternities like lock in a group think and we all got to be liberals and we all. Ah, anyway, well, I just th- was th- never. Th- in. So there's, there's a couple things here, right? Um, one. I think you you may be surprised at how. Th- let me say this: there's diversity of thought even within these organizations, um, particularly the older generations, who are much more conservative, both in their sort of worldview and dispositionally, right? Because you, if you run an an, an institution, an organization, like let's say a, a HBCU president. You, you can't be a person who's dedicated to constantly tearing things down because your institution is not going to survive. So, so there are, particularly in those older generations, people who have very, very different views um, about, you know, faith and family and politics. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, the president of Morehouse is going to campaign for Trump. Um, but what it does mean is that, you know, the, the president of Hampton is, is not completely sold out to, to the left, generally speaking. But I, let, me, let me push back a little bit on, on, on what you were saying, because I think one of the problems in our community is the extent to which, and this is a broader issue within the West, um, individual rights and liberties 
also come with individual responsibilities and cultures that are much more family and sort of socially oriented normalize the the notion of the individual submitting some part of themselves to the group for the greater good. And this is the same thing that has to happen on a team, right? If you're a member of a team, you, you, you may want to do X, but when your coach says, you have to, I'm giving you this assignment and, and in order for us to succeed, you have to be focused on your assignment. You can't freestyle when you want. You can't say, well, I'm the most talented player. I'm gonna do what I want. It's like, no, um, your desire for individual glory has to come second to what the team needs. And I think the, what the, the black Greek letter organizations do is that they make their members understand that when you go out into the world, and particularly to the extent that you are showing people you are part of us, your first priority should be the name, uh, so to speak, on the back of the jersey, or no, on, fr on the front of the jersey, right? It's your team Delta, your team AKA, your team you know, Kappa. And that's why you have to represent yourself in a, in a particular way. And this is, the, this is the same thing that happens in families. So when you go in Eastern cultures, there's certain things, Jason, that, that somebody from a, a, a South Korean family or Chinese family or, or some of these other cultures, they would never do because they don't want to shame their family. And one of the things that I said in, in the column, and I'll, I'll say it now, is that the difference in reaction between the people who I said have spent the better part of 30 years excusing, enabling, and defending the, the self-destruction um, that is sort of inherent in a large part of hip-hop culture, right? And you see how quickly these people can mobilize to, to, to eject any sort of imagery that they feel is a poor reflection on their institutions. That just tells me that these people really will do and say anything for money. And the gatekeepers of black culture have been selling out our community for the better part of 30 years. And it enrages me because what they should have been doing is saying, look, as black people, we may come from different places, but we have certain community standards. And there's just certain things you are not going to do in our neighborhoods. And we are willing to police those <coughs> boundaries forcefully, if, if need be. Jason, there's certain things that I, I can't do if, if I live in a community full of people in the nation of Islam. They're not letting me sell Oscar Mayer on the street corner. That's not happening. Because they say, in this neighborhood, we don't do that. But what happens, and what has happened over the, again, the better part of 30 years, is that the, the black community's intellectual might has been harnessed to defend all manner of vile, lewd, and disgusting behavior. Somebody like Cardi B should have been shamed into obscurity the first time that she got a public platform. Cardi B right now, if, if, the, if, if the black community's immune system worked the way it should, should be working at Target right now, right? S same with Future. He, Future should be down to one baby mama because with the type of job that he could get doing what he, he does, only one woman would say, yeah, I'm willing to have a kid with him. But we don't do that. Even our elders, the Maxine Waters of the world and other, and other people, the professors and so on and so forth, they justify lewd 
and, and self-destructive behavior, violent behavior, because to them, it's all about subverting social norms. Because to them, anything that's a social norm is white, quote unquote. The nuclear family is white. Punctuality is white. Uh, patriarchy is white, right? Monogamy is white. So that's why they're willing to defend everything. You, you, Jason, there was a time where if, if you were a, a, a black, sane, a sane black person, you'd say, look, these guys sagging their pants on the train and on and the bus, that's, that's not good for the culture. Now nah, you can't say that. And, and it's not just the intellectuals. When Lil Nas X showed up at the BET Awards and he was tongue kissing these dudes and so on and so forth, I think Diddy said he, he, he co-signed it. Benzino, a guy who used to run the streets of Boston. He, I think he initially tweeted, man, this is gross. I can't show this to my family. And then we, when he was in front of Mark Lamont Hill and asked to defend his comments, he was stumbling and mumbling. Because the, these people are subversives. And, not, and that is why you can do anything in the black community. You could, I, I don't trust Mark Lamont Hill because even if ASAP Rocky was wearing a dress with, with, with the crotch part cut out, he would say, oh, well, he's just living how he wants to live and people should be able to express their sexuality. The only thing that the black elites police are conservative political thoughts. That is the only thing right now that'll get you put out of the culture, broadly speaking. Anything else, you're good. So if, if, if Zaya Wade ends up being a six foot five, you know, uh, uh, power forward looking dude, right? And, and he put on a short little mini skirt, the Root, the Griot, Mark Lamont Hill, Roland Martin, all of these people are going to say, wow, that's empowering. And if me and you criticize it, they're going to say, oh, these guys, they're small minded. They, they, they just want to box men into the, uh, uh, an oppressive box of patriarchy because that's what they do. They, they, our immune, our cultural immune system has turned against us. And, and I don't know how to get that back short of a spiritual reformation, but these people are far gone. And, and I bring up sorority sisters because it was one of the last times that they showed that they're willing to police the borders of the culture for something other than politics. Delano, great job. Thank, Thank you, Jason. you so much. Uh, we'll see you later. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, hit notifications, hit subscribe. Pastor Anthony and Pastor Bobby join us to talk about their new podcast next. It's my obligation on hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Pastor Anthony in studio with us on a Tuesday. Uh, not quite. We're not going to have uh, a show tomorrow, or actually, we will have a show, but it'll be a special show that we've already taped an interview with King Randall from Albany, Georgia. Pastor Anthony has come in studio with us today, and joined by Pastor Bobby Harrington uh, via Skype because I wanted these two guys to talk about a podcast uh, that they're starting uh, together. I can't do Pastor Anthony and Pastor Bobby in studio, though, without first starting with a prayer. It's just out of habit. It's like a reflex action. And so, uh, Anthony, if you could bless our conversation, uh, then we'll talk a little bit about your podcast. Certainly. 
Father God, we're thankful for this day and thankful for your blessings. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for Jason and how he uses this platform to uh, amplify your word and draw people back to your will and your way. We're thankful in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So Bobby and Anthony are combining on a podcast. I believe it's called Scripture in Black and White. That's it. Uh, Anthony. I'll ask you first and then Bobby, you chime in afterwards. Where'd the idea come from? What are you guys trying to accomplish? So we are basically trying to be a resource, an extension of what we did here on Tennessee Harmony, uh, but really taking it deeper in dealing with scripture. What does scripture teach and being a resource that people can listen to to find out uh, the authenticity of Christ, the authenticity of the word, why we believe what we believe, all that good stuff. Bobby? Yeah. Hey, Jason, great to be with you again. I just love our conversations and uh, grateful for that. Uh, we wanted to do a podcast. Actually, Jason, it's part of what you've inspired, and that is uh, the whole idea that around Scripture we can be united. So a black man, uh, I like to joke and say I'm the old white guy, so a black man and a white... I'm no, sorry, that's a not a man. joke, Bobby. I think that's called the truth. It would never be... I like to think of myself as the uh, fat old man. Okay. I think that's the truth. So okay, you're the old white now. guy. Go ahead, Bobby. <laughs> so uh, we have an old white guy and a young black guy uh, who both believe the same things and are brothers in Christ. And uh, so it's black and white because we're black and white. And also we think a lot of things in Scripture are much more black and white than people think. And so we want an opportunity to talk about what Scripture really says and how so much of it is actually black and white. Mm. You know, that is, I, I got to be honest, when I saw this over Twitter, the Scripture in black and white caught my attention. Good. And, and I... I, I be, I'm just being honest. I was like, I don't know if I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I get the gist of what, sure. and, and you're being very direct, and I'm yeah. a direct person. Yeah. But I almost wondered if if people will think, and I like what Bobby just said about you guys are really trying to provide clarity right. to Scripture, and it really is more clear than perhaps we imagine. Right. But I'm wondering if some people will we'll think, oh, they're going to give a black and white interpretation mm, of Scripture. But yeah. Bobby's explanation makes sense. Right. Did, did y'all debate other names, or how did you settle on that one so easily? Ooh, we, we talked about some other names, but really it was, the, the basis of it is, okay, how do we teach the plain truth of the Scripture? How do we be direct? How do we be as clear as possible? And for some kind of way, black and white just kind of kept coming up. And then just like you pointed out, the double entendre, black guy and a white guy. But uh, as I say, even on our podcast, we're not preaching or teaching a black or white gospel because the gospel has no skin color. We're providing clarity on the text. And so, Bobby, when does the podcast air? Where can people find it? How often does it air? Uh, it's It's out now. So you can go to iTunes. Uh, you can go to YouTube. It'll be, uh, we're, we're doing it both uh, visually and uh, audibly, and it'll come out on Wednesdays. And how long, hour discussion? They're about 45 minutes to an hour. 
Like we yeah. really take our time. We'll deal with a concept, really break it down, you know, word study, all that good stuff. And do you hey. just, does it focus on a prescript, particular chapter, verse, area? Is it, is it just a single discussion about one topic or is it about what's in the news cycle today? We will be reacting to some of the news cycle, but just to give you a sample of some of our early episodes that we've already done, you know, we'll talk about the authenticity of Jesus. Why do we believe in Jesus? Why do we know that he is historically true, not just to those who hold on to faith or those who've been taught from nine years old like myself? Like how many of us really know and can prove through scripture uh, and history. And so one of those episodes, Bobby brings his wealth of knowledge of, of just the architectural finds of the historical knowledge. I look through the text, we both deal. So we'll deal with a topic, a subject. We will get into particular teachings or doctrines and just spend an hour, 45 minutes to an hour digging deeply into that. Hey, Bobby, Jason, do you have something you want to add or I'm going to ask a follow up? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say that in so many churches today, the old idea of an in-depth Bible class that you might have on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, that's gone. And so what we thought is we could do that in-depth Bible class through a podcast. So we're not going to do a short 15, 20 minute one. We're doing a deep dive. And like Anthony said, they're typically going to be 45 minutes to an hour. So a person can listen to it in segments. But it's going to give you a feel like, wow, I really got an in-depth teaching on what Scripture says today. All right. So, guys, I want to ask you something that was in the news cycle that's in the news cycle today that I found fascinating. It was perfect timing having you guys uh, come in on Tuesday. But uh, Vladimir Putin gave basically Russia's State of the Union address very early this morning. I think the news cycle is caught up in, you know, is he predicting a nuclear conflict? Is there a new arms race? That, that's where a lot of the headlines seem to be going. What caught my attention, and I'll just be honest with you, a, a viewer emailed me early this morning like, hey, Jason, I cut out this part of Putin's speech uh, that I think is particularly applicable to your show and what you guys are talking about. I listened to it and I was like, man, how, we need an American president to talk like this. And, and then I felt guilty about thinking that. And so I want to play the clip from Putin. And, and Bobby, we'll start with you. I want your reaction to what Putin had to say. And just my feelings are like, well, man, get, get Putin over here to America. I know that's a crazy thought, but, but that's what I thought. Let's, let's listen to the clip. They are destroying the institution of family, their cultural and historical identity, and uh, various perversions with regard to children up to pedophilia are accepted as uh, the new norm, and priests are forced to recognize and officiate same-sex weddings. People can live however they want, and we in Russia have never intruded into people's private life. And we're not going to do that. But what we want to say is maybe they should take a look in the scripture, into the holy book, 
of any great religion. It says that the family is a union between woman and man. And these holy texts are now being increasingly doubted in the West. The uh, Anglican Church is now considering the idea of a gender-neutral God. What can we say? God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Millions of people in the West realize that they're being led towards a spiritual catastrophe. People are going mad, and this does not seem to be treatable. But this is their problems, and it is our duty to protect our children, and it's something that we are going to do, to protect them from degradation. Wow. Why can't well, an American that? president... I'm, I'm, go ahead, Bobby. Go ahead. No, when you sent that to me, I had the same thought you did. Wow. What, wouldn't it be great if an American president could say that? Now, neither of us care for Putin, and it's a terrible thing, that, that invasion of the Ukraine. But come on. He's actually onto something there, and it's a little bit spine-tingling that he's so accurate about it. Like, we're, ta we're, we're facing a spiritual catastrophe. He's right about that. Like, Biden wouldn't admit that. Biden wouldn't admit he's helping destroy the institution of the family or our historical or cultural identity. Instead, what they do is they say about guys like us that we're the hostile ones, we're the, we're the radicals when they're doing changes to our culture. So even though we don't like Putin, we don't like what he's doing, sometimes your enemy points out the truth about your cultural weaknesses. Whew. <laughs> He's he's saying things that are had he said it 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, we would have been OK. And and we would have probably like the media is trying to do focused in on, OK, is he trying to start a war, et cetera? But the first part, the reason why they have to ignore that he's talking about family, man, woman, husband, wife, like we can't focus on that because we have gradually gone to a society where we're redefining what family is. We're redefining what love is, what gender is. And, and so when you walk away from that, it is a direct affront to God's word. You can't get two pages into scripture, one page into scripture without finding God's design, God's order, God's family as he would desire it. So when we move from that, uh, we have nothing else to come to, to really save. Bobby, I've so long had a I've long had a uh, saying that I don't know if it's scripturally sound, but I've said it for 20, 25 years, maybe longer, Accept the truth from wherever it comes. I've, I've always said that. And I've, I've said like I used to say it. It felt like I would even say it in college, but I, I would say, like, if the devil came down here right now and said, today is Tuesday, I'd go, hey, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I hear you saying, hey, I don't like Putin, and, and, and I get why you do that, 
But I don't even feel compelled to enter that into the record. I, I just want to deal with what he said and I could care less who said, and I'm what, is that scriptural? Is that sound? Does, yeah. does the Bible back me up on, Hey, just yeah. accept the truth from wherever it comes. Jason, it really does. Uh, in fact, you know, we have an expression, all truth is God's truth. And, uh, you're, you're not only is Putin saying things that are really true. He actually quotes Jesus when he says, God forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That's Jesus' exact words from the cross when they're crucifying him. Now, I know Putin's a hypocrite, okay? So I, I just want to say that, but he's speaking the truth. And uh, we're destroying the family. And what he said about the Anglican Church, it's true. They not only started blessing uh, same-sex marriages in England, but they're also adopting gender-neutral terminology about God. And he's right. We're, we're destroying the foundations of Western civilization and of, of morality, and chaos is going to be the outcome. And uh, even though we don't like Putin and we hate that he, what he's done with this war, he's speaking the truth back to us. And uh, we should think about it. We should say he's right. It may be, if I wanted to be really cynical, it may be a great piece of propaganda he's pulled off here in terms of, because he, it certainly has touched me and made me like, man, I can't need to reevaluate Putin. If, if Biden won't say these things that are foundational to my belief, it makes me want to reevaluate re Putin and, and like, well, who is the good guy and who is the bad guy? Mm -hmm. We're putting, we had a Supreme Court justice say, you know, can't d decide what a woman is. Mm -hmm. We're moving away from foundational truths that again, page one and two of the Bible. And so maybe this guy is genius and knows that like, hey, I know how to get Whitlock and Bobby and Anthony to question what's going on in America. <laughs> Let me quote some scripture. Well, here, here's the deal from, you know, using a debate background, I've done a few debates and things. You do understand that the war, the culture war, society's war, there are several different fronts. And so Putin, you know, while you may be focusing on the arms and who has the best military, et cetera, he's throwing another jab out there to say, I bet y'all won't talk about this. I bet you won't talk about family. I bet you won't talk about husbands and wives. Now, that may not be a nuclear bomb. It may not be, you know, any airplanes flying over, but that is a missile that's landing to say, are we going to address the truth on its face or are we going to let Putin be the one that tells us the truth about who we really are? Are we going to address is what he's saying actually true? Now, we can be distracted over where it comes from, but if we're really serious about the word, we got to deal with the content and not necessarily the character that talks about it. Hey, Jason, Guys, one of the uh, things that I'm sorry, go ahead, I, Bobby. I'll give you the final word. Okay, I just wanted to say I did a uh, some Google searching before we joined our call because I knew you were going to ask about this. And here's the sad thing: everybody's reporting the speech, and they're talking about the nuclear um, things that he's doing to aggravate. But the thing is, they're saying that his speech is just the same old thing. And the truth of the matter is they're just glossing over it and acting like it didn't happen. And it may be the most penetrating cultural uh, insight that anybody's spoken of in recent memory.
I think it's going to do a lot of harm to American morale. Uh, I, I can just tell you the impact it's had on me. I, I'll be thinking about it and wondering why we can't. Because and take politics out of it. So like, I don't think, and this is part of my been part of my problem with Trump. I don't think he can speak authentically about God uh, because he just hasn't done the homework and and the necessary work, and he he just doesn't sound credible. And I keep saying we need leadership that can authentically speak about God and the natural order and what's commanded in the Bible. And I, I'm is it going to be Ron DeSantis? Is it going to be, you know, it's not going to be Biden. This guy's pro-abortion and, and he's pro the whole transgender thing. I just don't know how we win. If, if God, you know, if God's not on our side and we're not on God's side. I don't know how we win. Uh, so anyway, thank you guys. Uh, Good luck with your podcast, Scripture in Black and White, with Anthony Walker and Bobby Harrington. Uh, We'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like Freedom came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free. We want freedom.